Okay, so we are on Daf Yud Dalad Amud Bet at the bottom of the page. And basically, we're discussing the order of the paragraphs of the Shema. Um, the, currently, the Gomorrah, we ended off with the we ended off with the Gomorrah saying that uh, this this is the benefits the benefits of the the first second and third paragraph it says elahaki rather this is what we're saying bedinu it's in in it's logical shetiktum shma v'levaya im shamoa you should first do sh- the first paragraph of shma which is shma and vahafta and then do vayam shamoa wa because these this one shezel lilmod ulalameid v'laasot that the Shema has all three aspects. The learning of Torah, the teaching of Torah, and the doing of mitzvot. Vayam Shamoa levayomer, and Vayam Shamoa should be before Vayomer. Shezei yesh ba lelameid velasot. Because uh, the second paragraph has in it to teach and to do mitzvot. Remember, ulam aletemet b'neichem. Um, and uh, also kshatem and uchatavtem to put on tefillin and to write uh, uh, mezuzahs. And vayomer ein ba'ele la'asot b'yavad. Vayomer only has the mitzvah of doing tzitzit, um, which is a doing mitzvah. Okay. So with that in mind, the Gemara then says, V'taypuk le'mid Rabbi Shoben Korcha. So let's learn it from Rishon ben Korcho, who brings from the Mishnah that the Mishnah explained the benefit of uh, the order, and that is the the Shema has the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, the Hayah has the acceptance of the yoke of mitzvot, and the Yomer uh, has got to do with uh, the mitzvah of of tzitzit. Um, uh, and that's why, and that's why it's in that order because we've got the general acceptance of Hashem, the specific acceptance of doing what Hashem wants, and the specific mitzvah um, of the third paragraph of the Shema, and that's the order. So the question is, why don't we? Why do we have to bring a secondary reason of teaching, learning, and doing to give us the order? We've already seen the order. So the Gemara says, Chada uh, v'od kamar. This is a system, a style known as teaching one and additional two, meaning first of all and more. So Anachanami, we have the Mishnah, but we also have additional reasons why there's an order behind it. And the more reasons we give, I guess, the more meaningful it is uh, when we say the Shema to, to understand the order and to understand its message to us. Um, and it's, what is it? First, you accept the yoke of heaven upon you, and that's the, when you say Shema Yisrael in the first paragraph. And then you accept upon yourself to do the mitzvot that Hashem wants you to do. And thirdly, and also. So there is the, the, the general acceptance of the yoke and the general acceptance of the mitzvot, but it also has additional benefits or a general, be, additional meaning to it that, uh, that, that adds to the reason for the order. Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to discuss other examples of accepting the yoke of heaven before other things. So, Rav Meshi Yedei 
Rav would wash his hands, Ukra Kriya Shema, and then he'd read Shema, V'anach Tefillin, and then he'd put on Tefillin, V'tali, and then Davin. So what's strange about this, and if, you know, obviously if we had time and we were with each other, maybe we'd have more of a discussion about it, but Rav, remember, Rav himself washed his hands, read Kriya Shema, and then put on Tefillin and Davin, and the question is, how could he do what he did? Tanya, don't we say in a bright in a in a brighter If somebody is in like a, a grave and they digging out this uh, this kuch uh, like a uh, a niche, it's like a, a and you in, so what they used to do in the old days was that you would bury somebody in slats, almost in little holes that were one on top of the other um, uh, and you'd put the corpse in there so if you were it says if a person if two we'll see if a person was uh, digging out this niche in the rock in the in a grave um potter mikriachma he's exempt from saying shma umina tfila and davening umina tfilin and from putting on tfilin wa umikomits varamurpatora and from all mitzvot in the Torah he's exempt from now, why is that? Because he's busy doing a great, great mitzvah um, of burying the dead. And therefore, once he's involved in one mitzvah, he's exempt from the other mitzvot. And obviously, this you can't do both. You can't keep digging and there's a, a body that's been waiting to be buried. So that's an urgent mitzvah. And you can't just stop and doing it. So therefore, you exempt from these mitzvot. But then it says like this. He gives man Kriyachma, once the time for saying Shema arrives, Oilev Anoito Yadav, you go up, you wash your hands, Umanich Tfilin, and then you put on Tfilin, Bakura Kriyachma, and then you read Shema, Umit Palan, and then Davin. So first you must put on Kriyachma, and then you must Davin. Let me just charge my computer, hold on a sec. Um, so. The, you see from here that you first put on tefillin and then you daven. Now you're going to ask the question, Ha kasha? This itself is a question. It contradicts itself. Reisha Amar Potur, the beginning of the statement said, one who's digging such a grave is exempt from putting on tefillin and shema and davening and all mitzvahs. V'sayfachayv, and then the, the end of the statement says that once the time for shema arrives, you must leave the grave and go and put on tefillin. How can you, it says you exempt, then it says you chayv. So how does it work? Halo kasha, this isn't a question. Safer betray, the end where you can go up and bear, and daven is because there's another person who's digging with you and you're leaving him to continue digging. But where it says you're exempt is when you are alone digging the grave. I also looked up that if the two of you are digging together and therefore the person, the corpse, will be able to be buried quicker, then you're not exempt. You're both obligated to keep digging. But if only one of you can dig at a time, so that while you're digging, the other guy's going up, then that's when you have you obligated to keep digging and the other one's obligated to do the mitzvot, and then you swap out. Okay. So, just to an important lesson there, that if you're involved in a mitzvah that is urgent and is not and is passing, meaning you have to do it right now, then you're exempt from all other mitzvot. Okay. 
Um, but if somebody else can do it and it won't affect the time, then let the other person do the mitzvah and then you can do the mitzvahs, the other mitzvahs. Mikomakom Rav. Nevertheless, though, the main point of this statement is as a kasha to Rav. Because Rav said that Rav, what Rav did is he would put on tefillin, uh, he would say Shema and then put on tefillin. Whereas here it says clearly, the brighter says you should daven, so you should um, put on tefillin and then daven and then say Shema. Uh, sorry, Shema and then daven with tefillin on. So Rav, Rav, um, Rav Kareb Yeshua ben Korcha Svirilei. So it's saying that Rav actually holds Rav Kareb Yeshua ben Korcha, the Amar who says, who holds, all Malchut Shamaim Tchila. First, you accept the yoke of heaven upon you, mitzvot, and then you do the mitzvot. See, he's learning it not only theoretically, like we do in Shema, but practically. So, first, what you should do is say Shema, which is accepting the yoke of heaven, and then you go and do the mitzvot. So, and that's how Rav, that's the first suggestion of how Rav got gets, why Rav did what he did. So, Aymar da Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcha, lahaktim kriya lakriya. When Rabbi Yeshua meant that you first accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven, and then you do the, the accept upon yourself the yoke of mitzvot, and that affects the order of the Shema, that was only to show you lahaktim kriya lakriya. To show you that when you're reading, first you read that paragraph and then you read the other paragraph. Did he mean it to say that you first read the acceptance of the yoke of heaven and then you do the mitzvot? That doesn't mean, that's not what he meant. He meant his explanation rather regarding the order of the Shema, not in the order of what you actually do. The two, and secondly, another question you can ask of that suggestion. Does Rav, if you want to say that Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcha meant that you, just as in Shema, you first accept the yoke and then you accept the yoke of mitzvot, then even if you want to say that, we know that another place, Rav didn't do like Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcha. Vama Rav, Rav Bar Ashi, Rav Rechia Bar Ashi said, Zimnim Segin have a Kaimna Kamedarav. There were many times that we were before Rav, who was the person who did who did the strange thing of saying Shema and then putting on Tfilin. Many times we were in the presence of Rav. Umaktim. What would he do? He'd first Umaktim uh, and he went early. He rose early, he woke up early, and then he washed his hands, and then he made the brocha, which seems to be a, a birkada Torah, and then he teach us Torah, and then after teaching us Torah, he had put on tefillin, and then he read Shema. So, first question is, this that he went like this that he did said he said Shema and then put on tefillin that con that strange because when you said Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcha he you that wasn't talking about accepting the yoke of heaven by saying Shema and then doing the mitzvot that means how you order the Shema and secondly Rav himself did differently elsewhere he did put on tefillin and then he said Shema so how do we get around this Vachitaimen if you want to say if you want to say the reason why he said 
um, uh, he put on tefillin first in the case of the shiur um, and then said Shema is because the time for Shema hadn't arrived yet um, if that's the case what testimony did Rav Chia Bar Ashi make um, what was the big cup of what he taught us you know what he taught us what Rav did and if it was the classic case of it hadn't been it wasn't light enough to say Shema but it was light enough to put on tefillin then uh, then what difference does does this testimony of Rav Chia Bar Ashi make La, so so it says so, so then why it doesn't make sense to say the time hadn't arrived yet so the Gemara answers what Rav Anachanami, Rav could be telling us, um, it, it could, he, his statement could be telling us not the statement that what Rav did was first um, say, put on tefillin and then say Shema. Maybe he put on tefillin because it wasn't the time of Shema. But rather, what was his statement? What is his testimony coming to teach us? That when it comes to uh, teaching Mishnah or Gomorrah, you don't make, need to make a Birkat Torah. Kamash Malan, Rav Chia Bar Ashi comes to teach us about Rav, the Afla Mishnah Nami Tzarech Levarech. That according to Rav, even for Mishnah, or Gomorrah, you also have to make a Birkat Torah, and that's what he was telling us what Rav did. Um, and that was his testimony. Um, do you remember when we discussed the Birkat Torah, there was a whole discussion and an argument whether you need to say Birkat Torah for different types of Torah. Some say only for Chumash, some say for Midrash and Chumash, some say for the Oral Torah and the Written Torah, etc., etc. But the point is that maybe the statement of Rav Chia Bar Ashi is coming to tell us not, maybe the time for Shema hadn't arrived. And that's why he put on Tefillin first and then said Shema. Um, but, and the main Kiddush was, you don't have to say Birkada Torah to teach Mishnah or Gomorrah. But actually, um, we, um, he, and that's the reason why he put on Tefillin first um, and then said Shema. But actually what you should do is say Shema and then put on Tefillin. Um, and Mikoma Kom Kashalarav. Nevertheless, the brighter um, is a question on Rav because the brighter over here about uh, digging the the niche for the grave that shows what you should do is get up and say uh, and uh, put on tefillin and then say Shema. So bottom line, with a bit of deviation in there, is must you put on tefillin and then say Shema or say Shema and then put on tefillin like Rav did? So the Gemara says, Shluchahu da'avit. No, it, the reason why Rav said Shema first and then put on tefillin was the messenger who was bringing him his tefillin was running late. And by the time he would have brought his tefillin, he would have run out of the time to say Shema. But actually, if you can put on tefillin, you should put on tefillin first and then say Shema. Um, and rather than say Shema and then put on tefillin. So the case, the contradiction, isn't one of halacha, it's one of context. It's one of uh, what actually was wrong. Okay, now we're going to get into um, why is it so important that you read, you say Shema 
with tefillin on. So Amar Ula, Kola Kore Kriyat Shema Belo Tefillin, anybody that reads Shema without tefillin, Ki'ilu Maid Eidut Sheker Ba'atmo. It's as if he is falsely testifying to himself because Shema says that you should put on tefillin. And what does he do? He says Shema without putting on tefillin. So he's preaching, he's doing, he's reading what he should do, but he's not doing what he should do. And that's like being a, a two-faced or a false witness on something. Somebody that says Shema uh, without tefillin on, it's like somebody that offers a sacrifice without the accompanying uh, flower offering, or a, um, another type of sacrifice, without the accompanying um, wine libations. So basically, when you would bring an ola, uh, which was a, a daily offering, for example, a korban tamid, it would be accompanied by a flower offering and a wine libation. And what Rabbi Chiyabarash Abba, Rabbi Riochanan is saying is that when you say Shema without putting on, without filling, you like doing the mitzvah, but you're not doing the full mitzvah because the full mitzvah is not only to say Shema, but to say Shema with filling. Whereas the first opinion of Rav Huna, I think it was, Amar Ula, sorry, Ula, he says no. You, you're doing the full mitzvah of saying Shema, you're just not doing it properly, you're just leaving out um, the other mitzvah of, of putting on tefillin, which is as if you're giving false testimony. Okay, bottom line is, when you say Shema, uh, you should do it with tefillin on, and that's why, uh, if you obviously, if you don't have tefillin, rather say Shema, um, and if you um, and if you put tefillin on later, that's why many people repeat the Shema as well, so that you're doing both. You're putting on sh- the tefillin that the Shema talks about. Okay. Rabbi Yochanan, uh, Rabbi Yochanan says, Somebody that wants to accept upon himself the yoke of heaven, Shlema, fully, what must you do? If you really want to accept the yoke of heaven upon yourself, you should go to the toilet. And then you should wash your hands. And put on tefillin. And say Shema. And Davin. Um, and this is accepting upon the yoke of heaven fully. And I read um, the reason why is because when you, um, obviously saying Shema is, is accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven. Putting tefillin on shows that you're directing your, ma- your mind to Hashem and your physical urges to Hashem, which is, which is uh, expressed by wrapping your arm uh, around the tefillin and directing the tefillin shoyad to your heart. And also, you don't have a concern that you're going to have to run in the middle of davening uh, to go relieve yourself. Rather, you, you've relieved yourself, you're clean, and you can fully focus on accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven fully. I was also thinking that, it's, and it seems from the continuation of the Gemara, that there seems to be a real importance to arriving to serve Hashem in a clean manner and maybe that's part of why you should go to the toilet because when you not only will you be distracted by needing the toilet but also by by appearing to Hashem as a clean you know uh, empty kind of uh, person hygienically and um, then you can fully accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven and I think the Gomorrah kind of suggested that later on so let's see Amar Bar Abba Amar Yochanan 
Kol Hanifna. Mm-hmm. What we're going to mm-hmm. talk about is how important it is to go to the toilet and wash your hands before davening. Whoever goes to the toilet and then washes his hands, and puts on tefillin, and then davens, the Torah uh, says about you, it says, if you built an altar, korban and sacrificed an altar on it. How do we know this? The Pasuk says, I will wash with clean hands. And clean hands, Erchatz is suggesting um, uh, that I wash my hands. Benikayon kapai means with cle- that you're going to daven, which is suggested by uh, have cle- clean hands is a sign. It's used elsewhere as a as a as an expression of davening. And with that, I will go around your altar, which is suggesting that you build an altar and you sacrifice to Hashem. So that's a quite an, an amazing merit by just doing normal shachrit um, is that it's as if you build an altar and offer a sacrifice on it. Amalei rova lo saver la mar ilu taval does mar not only not only is it like you just you that you you built an altar but even more than that you were taval you by washing your hands before you went to daven after going to the bathroom it's as if you went to mikvah, which gives you even more merit. Tichtev, as the pasuk says, erchatz, I will wash benikayon, velo katav architz kapi. It doesn't say I will wash my hands. Rather, it says erchatz, I will be washed, meaning suggesting it's as if my whole body has been washed, as if I went to mikvah. But nevertheless, it's understood as washing my hands. So that's the great merit of arriving at shul or tefillah with uh, having relieved yourself with clean hands that you vast and putting tefillin on saying shmein davening it's got tremendous merit to it amalei ravina lerova ravina said to rova chazimar haitzuva merabonen um uh, let's look at this rabbinical student uh daata mimarova who came from the west which is eretz yisrael vaamar and he said mi ein lo mayim he said mi ein lo mayim lirchot yadav a person who does not have water to wash his hands before davening, he should rub his hands against sand or a rock or uh, wood wood shearings. And because it's, the cleanliness is to get rid of sweat or dirt. And if you rub your hands against something, that also helps you to get rid of that. It doesn't help you get rid of the Ruach Ra, this evil spirit, that when you wake up, comes up, uh, if you sleep, this evil spirit, according to some opinions, comes on you. So you have to, that you have to vest with water and a vessel. But if it's just for cleanliness, you can rub against something that is clean to, to help you get rid of the sweat. Even sand is considered clean in that regard. So um, that's what you must do. Amalai, so this was this, this, uh, this Surah Merabon and this young Tamil Chochem said, Amalai Shapir Kamar. Um, that you've said well, why? Mikativ erchatz b'mayim, benikayon kativ. Komidi demenaki. It doesn't. Does it say erchatz b'mayim that I must wash with water? No. It says benikayon. It says I must just be clean, and which means anything that cleans you is a good enough way how to prepare yourself for davening, even without water. But again, it doesn't help you get rid of the issue of uh, of ruach ra.
Rav Chista light Aman de Mahadar Amaya Be'idin Sluta Rav Chista would uh, curse there's a softer word for curse but light would uh, rebuke somebody who would go after water during the time of davening meaning he's so busy looking to clean his hands while everybody's davening he's busy outside so he would curse such a person this means that for to wash your hands for kriyachma you don't have to go and and wash your hands but regarding davening you should ideally go and wash your hands this is some dispute um, whether you do have to go wash your hands for davening or is it good enough to rub your hands against something clean um, but from this Gomorrah it seems you should and how much how much effort must you put in to go and get and to find water to wash your hands to daven ad parsa until four kilometers meaning the amount of time you might have to go looking for water four kilometers in front of you vahani mili and these words that you have to go until four kilometers um, to find water to wash so that you can daven Lakame, that's on the way. If it's not going to set you back, then you have to go four kilometers towards the shul, um, and along the way you need to look for water. Avalachure, but to go back away from shul, afilu mil But even a even a kilometer, you don't have to go back and look for water, um, as long as you can find umina mil hud You don't have to go back a kilometer to look for water. Pachot uh, mil but um, less than a kilometer, you should go around and look for water to vas, so that you can be ready for davening. Okay, so what we talked about today um, is that we uh, we spoke about the order of the of the Shema, the paragraphs of the Shema. We spoke about uh, putting on tefillin before uh, saying Shema and how that's what you should do, um, and how when you accept upon your yoke. The yoke of heaven properly you've gone to the bathroom we highlighted the importance of washing your hands and coming to davening uh, with cleanliness um, and we also saw that if your hands need to be clean you can rub them against something and that seems to be good for shema but when it comes to water if your hands aren't clean you should go look for water obviously if you are um, if you have touched an area that warrants you to go and fast then that's different. Um, that's just not like a beautification, but that you actually halakhically have to cleanse yourself before you daven. Okay, guys, have a great uh, night, a good Shabbos, um, and please God will continue on Sunday.